welcome back to the Final Whistle podcast. My name is Harry McBain and this week I'm joined by two paramedics who've both worked, worked pick, pitch side in their careers. Uh, Sarah and Tano, thank you for joining me. How are you both doing? I'm well, thanks. Um, all good, all good. Can't complain. Now, you're both paramedics and have worked or work at football games. Um, Sarah, let's start with you. What made you want to become a paramedic? Um... I've always kind of liked the idea of um, caring for people, helping people at like their, what they think is their hard times in life. So here I am. Tano, what about you? Um, I don't even know, really. Um, when, I was, when I was younger, um, I wanted to do something involved with science and stuff like that. Um, but then that developed into wanting to do something which involves caring for people. But I wanted to do something that involves caring for different people, like, so I see different faces every day. Um, and I, must, I went to a careers day when I was probably about 18. And there was a fire truck and there was an ambulance car. And I spoke to both, both sets of people and then um, speak to the paramedic. I thought, yeah, this is, this is actually something I can get down with that. So it just, it came from there, really. And um, how did you feel when you like worked at your first ever football match is that for me uh yeah let's start with you yeah um it was it was an interesting experience because then obviously watching football every week since i was since i was a young boy to actually be there in the capacity of being a paramedic was just felt just felt different because then it's like this is mental, two Premier League teams going up against each other, but I'm here just in case something actually happens as opposed to being there just for the game. You see what I mean? So um, you you definitely feel um, a sense of like, wow, this is amazing when you're on the other side of it because you're not in the stands, you're literally pitch side. So it definitely had this really surreal feeling to it. Uh, what about you, Sarah? Oh, I was petrified because I knew nothing about football. I didn't follow any football teams. And all I was told is that you're there for the players if they become unwell. So, yeah, and I was, I was petrified because the cameras are on you all the time. Um, so you had to make sure that you've done everything right when needed. Mm. And so let's just go through um, each of these. Tanner, which clubs have you worked at, were worked at or with? So I've only done, um, I've done West Ham. So when they've moved into the London Stadium, uh, Watford, so I've been to Rickridge Lane. And I've done a few um, Premier Youth games, but it's never been at any of the actual football grounds. It's been at the training complexes. So I've done a few, a couple of training complexes across the UK. And what clubs have you worked at, Sarah? Um, I've done West Ham when they was at their old ground, Tottenham, and then a few times at Stevenage Football Club. Um, and what was it like, obviously, when you were at the bigger games like Tottenham, what was it like having that noisy crowd behind you whilst you know, you're either trying to do your work or just focusing on what's happening? I think we're pretty good at just blocking out noises behind. For me, I didn't really, didn't really notice the noise in the background. You're so focused on what you need to be looking at and make sure that you don't miss anything. It's that moment that you're going to turn your head, look away, and something's going to happen, and then you, you're not there to witness it. Is that the same um, for you, Tanner? I would, yeah, I definitely agree with that. But then um, I think it, it then gets a bit different. I think the London Stadium is a bit of a weird one, really, because it's so big. Um, 
so the first time I got called onto that pitch, um, the player was pretty much near near the center circle. So to to be right in the middle of it, and don't get me wrong, it wasn't anything particularly nasty, but still, you got to spend time on the pitch dealing with what's going on before you then take them off. You you then realize that even just like sixty thousand people talking amongst themselves, they think, right, this is loud, absolutely loud, and then obviously because it was a home player, um, when we're then taking him off, like the round of applause that you would get for like for being injured, especially when you're home. Again, I was thinking, this is so, this is crazy how loud it is. Um, and I think it does put into perspective, like 60,000 people, I think you take it for granted when you're watching it on the TV or sometimes when you're there in the stand, you don't really realise how, like, how big of a crowd that actually is. But I think when you're walking off, especially from, as I say, like the centre circle to then have to come off, that's when you sort of do realise, oh my God, there is a loads of people in here. It's crazy. And Sarah, if you've been at Tottenham, I wonder whether you've done any like matches against Arsenal. Obviously, derby matches are quite big. Um, do you get like either briefed or anything that you know more injuries might happen because it's a, a derby or a rival game? Uh, no, I've never experienced that. Yeah. Tano, do you have any um, games that you know quite big games that you've had any uh, like extra information that you know might need to? look out for? Uh, nah, not really, you know. Because um, I've been to a couple of uh, London derbies. Um, so I'm sure I've been there when Chelsea have been, when Arsenal have been. But there's never really been um, any extra conversation with regards to, OK, they're playing this team now. We should... There may be um, a bit more sort of crunching tackles this and the other. Um and maybe that's just because, you know, most of those players, they actually want to be playing in those games. So they're, they're going to want to, you know, they're going to want to stay on their feet. They're going to want to see out the full 90 minutes. Um, but yeah, in briefings and things like that, I can't remember ever having that. Um, but it's something to think about. Isn't it? Mm. And now players are infamous nowadays uh, for diving in this era of football. But we've also seen obviously some quite serious injuries throughout recent times. What are like the worst types of injuries that you've um, had to deal with, Sarah? For me, it's just been fractures, um, normally ankles or dislocated shoulders, um, really. But as a paramedic, we're not always first on the pitch. They like to send a physio on, a doctor on, and then we're last resort to then get this patient off the pitch. Um, but just fractures for me. And Tanya, do you think that... Um, when you see a player go down, are you just looking out for, oh, do you think I might be needed on this one at all? Or is it just uh, just wait and see what happens? It is a thing. You, you're all thinking once, once they go down, it's, uh, am I going to be needed on this one? But you, sometimes you've got to think, right, how, how have they gone down? What's the magnitude that they've gone down on? Have they gone down on an off-the-ball incident? If they have, then chances are they're probably coming off the pitch. Has it been off the back of a tackle? How long's the match? How long into the match are we? Because once you get sort of in that eighty-minute category, especially if they haven't been subbed off, that's when legs start to get a bit tired. That's when um, that's when tackles start to get a bit late. Um, but it's more so we get worried about how a player tends to go down, and sometimes you obviously have it where um, a player's gone down and the other players nearby are waving for you to come running on and stuff like that. 
Um, so for me, when I'm watching and I see a tackle go in, I, I, think, so, I think to myself, well, how have they gone down and how, how hard was that tackle really? But yeah, you've got, to be, you've got to be watching everything that happens all the time. And Tony, you said you've worked at West Ham and Watford games uh, and you told us before the recording uh, when we were messaging you that you're a Liverpool fan and that you were at the game when you lost 3-0. Tell us what was it oh, like man. seeing your side losing that unbeaten streak? I think, what first of all, the cherry on top of that year was the fact that Sarah must have seen me and she messaged me. She sent a photo <laughs> of me. Like, whilst I was... Because um, a player went down. Um, I think it was a home player. Um, can't remember who it was. And um, I think this match was televised on Sky Sports. So we've, we've come on, we've done what we needed to do and we're carrying this player off. And then um, I think at that point, Liverpool were probably 1-0 down already. So half-time, half-time comes. And then I see this message from Sarah. And it's literally me <laughs> on, on the TV um, helping carry this player off. And then I was like, what? So not only have, have I been seen on, on Sky Sports, the team that I, that I love and loved for years have lost their unbeaten, team, unbeaten streak to, like, let's be honest, at the time, no one thought um, Liverpool were going to lose to Watford of all the teams in the Premier League. So I was like, this is, this is crazy. And that's another thing. You've got to be, you've got to have that air of professionalism about you. Because, yes, of course, 99% of the games, I don't really care about because then I'm, I'm there as a neutral but then to to have Liverpool come down I think yes okay I get to watch um a lot of these players that I love and to watch them get absolutely battered was just crazy after, after the game I was spitting feathers like, I was mad absolutely mad um and obviously they had the uh the home crowd would have been cheering very loudly was that um quite annoying for you just so you said trying to focus normally on the game but having uh, that amount of you know noise coming from behind you, all about the fact that your your side are losing, is it? Is it, annoying? <laughs> um, it is, but again, it's it's one of those things that yeah, the level of professionalism that we have, I think it can be easy to it can be quite easy to block out. And um, like Vicarage Road, for example, everything's quite compact, everything's quite tight. You're really if you're in the front row as a spectator, you're quite near, quite near the pitch. So because we're then obviously one one row closer we're literally like snug in with all these fans basically um but yeah i mean we've all just all just like, the atmosphere was great at least watford you know at least they had all had a good day out and it was, it was a really good um morale booster for them too bad they still got relegated but still um yeah it is, it is what it is isn't it um now as i said earlier you're both standard paramedics as well uh, Sarah, how tough has this t- uh, has this time been for you guys, especially with all the you know the stuff that's going around at the moment? It was really tough in March, and then we thought it was getting better, and then now it's just it's gone back to being really bad again, unfortunately. Um, but it is what it is. We're there to do our job. We're there for the day, regardless of what we get sent to during our shift, our twelve-hour shift. We go there, we help, then we come home. Mm. Um, and then I've just got a, a small final question here uh, for you, Tano. Uh, as we mentioned there, you're a Liverpool fan. How did it feel for you last season, finally winning the title after 30 years of uh, you know, just staying away from it as close as possible? Uh, do you know what? It was stressful right up until that final game because we all know how Liverpool can be. 
um, with regards to letting leads slip. Um, I thought I thought we played brilliantly throughout the entire season, and we definitely deserve to um, to win the league. And then lockdown happens, and then everything comes to a standstill. And you think this is just typical of Liverpool that we are racing ahead of it, and then the season's going to end up being null and void because, uh, well, yeah, because of you know this really really serious pandemic. You know, there's there's bigger things than than football, of course. And if that was going to going to be the case that Liverpool didn't win the league because of it, you know, so so be it. But um, yeah, when they when they got over the line, I thought, yes, this is absolutely. Amazing. I don't. I don't. I don't mind if we end up not winning the league ever again. I just wanted to be alive <laughs> at the time of them of them winning. Obviously, what it's been thirty years, and I'm thirty myself. So sometimes you feel like I felt like I was almost a bad omen. Like the same year that I I was born is is the last time that Liverpool managed to uh, actually win the league. So it is nice to to witness it. Yeah, definitely, it was amazing. Thank you. That's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for coming on, guys, and uh, giving us the insight into you know, another side of what happens at football matches. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure to go and like, share and subscribe. Uh, this was The Final Whistle. <laughs>